Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hey, welcome to KSL Plus, the digital-only newscast where we dive deeper into some of the biggest stories of the day. I'm Matt Rascone. Now, today we look at how the pandemic has impacted education. And earlier this week, Deanie Wimmer looked at the five changes we can expect to see in schools post-COVID. She joins us here today. Maybe you can talk about some of the, uh, the, the conversations that you had and the takeaways from, from those conversations. You know, the number one takeaway I had is that while the, the pandemic devastated some schools and some student learning and their experiences, it forced us to do things differently. And some of those things had been in the works for years, but they were just too big to to happen during normal times. My goodness, are you guys ready to be my mathematicians? So the, the bottom line is many feel it would be a wasted opportunity if now we just went back to the way things have always been done. Crisis can, can make us do things that we never imagined possible. One of the professors you spoke to uh, uh, phrased it as, a, as an opportunity rather than you know just a, a tragedy. Exactly, and that we should look at it as such. Um, you know, I mean, the kind of technology that we got, the the online learning that we got, the equity and just the new way of looking at things have really could really be game changers for a lot of families and communities. Since we are being forced to rethink everything right now, and since we're trying all these new things, uh, it, you know, there's a temptation to just go back to the way it was. But since we've now tried all these new things, it would be kind of a shame to just go back to the way it was. And clearly, uh, there are things that we, we can do better. And now that people have tried them and gotten out of their comfort zone, uh, you know, this is a chance to, to make some of those more positive changes permanent. How is the role of parents changing from the pandemic just as far as, you know, I don't know, being more engaged? It's not just go off to school, you know, when your student is sitting in the next room over uh, working on homework. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. This changes the notion of a parent who sends their child off to more of a partner in education. And, and many, don't, don't get me wrong, many parents already do that and operate in that, in that role. But when you are learning from home and your child is not sitting in a class in front of an instructor, the parent is more taking an active role in making sure their student understands things or making sure that they get the tutoring and the the um, augmented help that they might need. And schools are having to provide that, but it just, it puts parents in more of an active role with that flexibility and the ability to take your kids on a trip or to pull them out for a sports tournament. Then the responsibility is even more on the parents and the family to make sure you're learning 
and engaging in what you need to. Yeah. This is a different conversation from what you've been hearing nationally. I mean, President Biden has made it his priority, you know, to get kids back in the classroom and a lot of people pushing to to push things back to normal because, you know, students are losing out on so much education um, and in falling behind. Um, did you did you get any of that while you were having these some of these interviews, these conversations, uh, concerns about kids falling behind or, or losses or was it really the opportunities going forward? Both, both. And this um, learning loss is the state's number one priority. The state office of the state school board has told me that their number one thing going forward is helping students who missed out, who fell behind, fell in the cracks to help them catch up. And if you look at the state's budget, even what they were requesting from the legislature, there are tens of millions of dollars going to help students um, remediate, to help them learn more. Like that looks like summer school. There will be more robust and in-person summer school in many districts. Um, that's just one thing that will help address learning loss. The federal money is an additional interesting piece here because now, especially on the technology side, schools are able to do things and will be able to do even more over the next uh, couple of years that they wouldn't have imagined otherwise, you know, providing laptops and, and internet access to, to all students and access to, to new software packages and things that they, they might not have had a chance to do. So you put, put the, the crisis together with the fact that it's forced us to, to change already the things that we've done and, and gotten us out of our comfort zone. And then you, then you put some money behind that. And those, those things could be a powerful force. We want to look at this a bit more. Here's more of Deanie's conversation with Douglas Harris from the Brookings Institution. Has it been surprising to you, though, that, that things like, again, changing schedules, that you know, communities, our, our community studied that for years. And when push came to shove, we just did it. You know, I mean, it, you just had to do it. Uh, has it surprised you that we've been able to do some of these things? Well, when, you know, when, when you're put into a crisis, you know, you, you have to, you have to respond when in day-to-day -day life, we don't usually have to do anything. We, we change because, you know, because we want to, and there are enough forces kind of behind it to, to make something happen. But when crisis hits, everybody reacts and you know, the schools were trying to just provide a basic education uh, as best they could when, when this hit and that required an enormous uh, set of changes. Um, so, so it doesn't surprise me that, that schools, uh, most schools were able to react, but they've reacted in very different ways and, and some reacted really well and, and aggressively and some weren't able to for various reasons, some, some of which were outside their control. Well, he was really the one that kind of shaped my perspective of this, there, there really being a silver lining in all of this is, this is both a tragedy and an opportunity. He, um, has worked in New Orleans and in Hurricane Katrina, schools and entire communities were, were decimated by the floods. They had to totally rework and reevaluate how they looked at schools. And so that schools were no longer neighborhood schools, they were charter schools. And they, you know, students never didn't have to go to school anymore at the school that's in their neighborhood. They would go to the one that worked best for their situation. It just, it, it totally, they had to overhaul the system. And he encouraged, he saw that in after that, in New Orleans, their schools emerged stronger. We had to have school choice. We had to let people pick where they went to school because you couldn't use neighborhood anymore. Neighborhood didn't really exist uh, anymore. 
and that was something that stuck. It wasn't something they ever would have done for any other reason. But once they did it, they realized that they should they should uh, should stick with that, and it and it and it continues today. And I think there's probably something like that. Probably many things like that. We don't even know what they are yet, but we are we do know that schools are being forced to, to change. This is a pretty speedy turnaround for such a you know complex process. So it's kind of one of those things that you're like, the, we wish the pandemic never happened, but it's it's really amazing how everyone can come together to create such a great outcome in such a difficult circumstance. There was a pretty powerful example of of some of those in the story you shared, um, especially out in San Juan County. Can you talk a bit about uh, that story there and your conversation with the, uh, the both students and the assistant superintendent about, you know, things that really were ended up being a, a real positive outcome from this pandemic? Yeah, schools all over the state had to address the fact that there's some students didn't have computers, didn't have Wi-Fi, but it's much more drastic in San Juan County. They don't have those things, but they also don't even have an, an internet system. Their, their homes and their communities aren't set up on an internet system. And so the district has had to build an infrastructure. Literally, they have invested millions of dollars in CARES money to build towers, transmitter towers, radio receivers, and then to hook them up. And so it is no less um, like building an infrastructure, an internet highway. It starts at the school and they've built these towers to uh, pick up a signal on the nearby Mesa. And then that signal, they've had to put a a tower in at the Hogan at grandma's house. And then one goes to the neighbor's house and then one finally connects to the student's house. There are 500 families that they have had to hook up this way. And for those families, this is an actual game changer. Now, not only can they graduate from high school, they could graduate from college this way. They wouldn't have to leave their, their reservation and their families. They could do that. They could get more meaningful jobs this way. Their parents can attend parent-teacher conferences. It just, it equalizes their learning opportunities and their abilities to operate in an information age. Yeah, so many challenges that they're dealing with that a lot of us don't. And it's easy for us. I mean, I think the word granted was thrown around in that interview a couple of times, you know, easy for us to take those things for granted, but clearly it's a different story for these students. Yeah, and none of that would have happened if not for the pandemic and the CARES money that went along with it. And here's more of that conversation with the San Juan County Assistant Superintendent. You know, I can say about the Diné people is they are resilient and they're persistent and they take care of each other. You, This idea of kinship and, you know, clans has really, you know, helped them get through this pandemic and what's been happening that has been just so heartbreaking. And as we think about that, it's also going to be what what continues to allow them to grow with this new opportunity. So, you know, even now we think about, you know, not all of our, a few handful of students right now have internet. So we still have a lot of students that don't, but we have um, families that help each other out to drive to our internet drive-bys where they will take more than one student out there and they'll, you know, park in the car or they'll come to the school and access the internet outside of the school because we still, you know, are not able to have students in the building. Um, and they help each other out that way. Or if one person has internet, you know, they're, they're helping out the rest of their family to be able to have that internet. So this is, you know, definitely something um, when we think about equity, that this is going to spread 
you know, to all of our students and give that opportunity for all of them is just so exciting. And it is heartbreaking what's, you know, the pandemic has been absolutely heartbreaking for our families and, you know, the, sorry, I didn't know I was going to react. Can we just a second? <laughs> so we consider um, the amount of grief, grief and loss for our students and the opportunity this provides um, is, is really the silver lining, right? To everything that's been happening. And, you know, I, I think, our schools are the heart of the community. Um, obviously, our chapters as well are heart of the community. But we think about our school being the heart of the community and, and the Internet providing a better connection to that and connecting everyone together. I mean, that definitely is a silver lining for everything that's occurred. As we looked more into all of these topics, we spoke with David Boren, the director of the school leadership program at BYU, who said how we look at the outcomes from this year will really depend on what we find most important from our kids' education. There are some legitimate opportunities here to to grow and and develop and uh, to experience this post-traumatic growth. Um, you know, some of the some of the precursors for that are strong, really having a strong social network. It's really important. And the kids that are, that are doing online, uh, some of them that don't have that at the, in their homes with their families are really struggling. Uh, and so they need, they need to find a way to build that relationship, that connection, that belonging, uh, that, um, that's so critical for that post-traumatic growth. If they don't have that, it's, it's likely that they will experience post-traumatic stress. Uh, so to get to your question about goalposts, a lot of it's going to depend on what we see as the purposes of education. Is it, is it primarily academic and, you know, acquiring those academic uh, pieces of content knowledge? Are there other things that we care about developing skills like collaboration and communication and creativity or dispositions like character strengths, resilience, um, citizenship. Uh, but I think this, this pandemic has really brought to the forefront how critical some of those soft skills are and how, how critical it is that we as schools and communities partner together in helping develop develop those things in our students. So we need to find better goalposts and measures for things like well-being, for collaboration and creativity. And those are the things we really care about. But we're still scratching our heads on how do we how do we actually assess that? And so we still defer back a lot of times to those academic measures, which of course are critical. Students need to know how to read and write and you know have basic numeracy and uh, which is what a lot of those statewide standardized tests are trying to assess. And th those are critical. I used to tell my teachers when I was a principal, I used to say, if, if our students don't learn to read, write, and do math, then we're not doing our jobs. But if that's all they learn how to do, then we're not doing our jobs. So this pandemic has really brought to the forefront the need to reexamine what is the purpose of education? What do we see as the purpose how do we assess that with some of these goalposts reasonably? And then how do we go, 
you know, move forward towards those goalposts. So a lot has changed in the last year in schools. Um, but as far as opportunities, there were five things that really stood out to me. The first one is online learning. And that's one that is not going to go back. It's not going to change. Students no longer have to sit in seats in order to learn. They can learn um, from home. They can learn from vacation. And, and, and so therein also becomes more flexibility. That has been a, a big change that parents want to see stay. With those two changes, though, have come inequity for communities that don't have computers and internet and things like that. And so we've seen a lot of efforts toward equity, and that has been a game changer for a lot of communities. The, the fourth thing that I saw that, that is going to be a big change is well-being. It's not just a fad. It's not just a, a feel-good word that we really saw mental health as being a big factor and schools are spending millions of dollars to address it going forward. And finally, standardized testing seems to be an opportunity since now you can learn from home and you can you have all this technology. It seems that there doesn't need to be weeks devoted to taking tests on a piece of paper with a pencil. They'll have to figure that out. But those were the five things that I think will really see staying power in schools. The pandemic, of course, was so broad and, and wide scale. I mean, it just impacted everyone across the country. But there are other interruptions that have happened in the past with kids and school years. Uh, and there are more interruptions that are going to happen in the future, whether that's natural disasters, whether it's, you know, things like shootings or sickness or, or whatever it might be. Uh, what do we take from the pandemic uh, and COVID moving forward that will help out in, in, in when, when these things come up again? You know, I think the number one thing that we can take from this that will help address these dire circumstances is what we've seen, online learning. Online learning can allow for students who are sick, who have long-term illnesses or health problems, um, a, com a community disaster that is isolated or even widespread, can still learning can still go forward because now both teachers and students can do what they need and access that from home. Um, you've just, you see, even on a snow day, you know, I mean, or weather-related things. Um, those no longer block the education learning process. And then when you think about it, technology allows us to relook at the school year. The school year doesn't have to stop in May. They can now look at more summer school options. They can look at more four-day options that work and allow for Friday um, in-person. You know, I mean, it just it gives you options and things to, to broaden how and where and when students learn. And so anytime you are removing barriers, it can improve the chances of the students have of getting educated. And changes that we'll likely see for generations to come. Yeah. Thank you very much, Deanie, for joining us and talking a bit more about uh, taking a deeper dive into the story you, you covered earlier this week. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us this week on KSL Plus. During the month of March, you may have seen it. We also looked at the lasting changes in healthcare and business. You can find and watch those on the KSL TV app and on kslTV.com slash KSL Plus. We'll see you next time.